Hey podcast, welcome to the show. My name is Danny Cola. I'm very excited to bring you this next episode of the podcast. It's with uh, John the Manimal Beneducci, Bellator MMA fighter, and I would say my mentor, a good friend he's become. And uh, in this podcast, he talks about how he sets his own goals and how he goes about his day-to-day. I mean, I think in this podcast, John Beneducci shows why he is a true professional. And I'm glad to uh, have had this conversation, pick up this information, and I'm also super glad to share with everybody else because professional athletes are at a high level for a reason, and that's their discipline, their their dedication, the passion, the love they have for it, their willingness to be objective, be consistent on the daily tasks to have an operation talks all about those things and it's a great podcast please if you haven't already subscribed to the show make sure to click the subscribe button if you are listening on spotify or itunes or soundcloud or whatever it is make sure to hit the subscribe button if you're interested in checking out john the manimal beneducci check him out on instagram at john the manimal beneducci check out his podcast mma and beyond on all podcast platforms he's a very unique individual with a ton of heart i love what he's doing give it up for manimal manimal thanks for coming on my show again danny cola podcast manimal experience it's a special time animal zone dude uh, every time you get on instagram live or on a podcast you're like oh yeah it's manimal oh yeah god i gotta hype myself up too yeah, I know. And it, dude, it hypes me up because now every time I go outside, I was just outside swinging the maze, smoking a joint, which brings me up the whole uh, smoke your joint. Because, First joint of the day. Yeah. I just went to Enzo's this morning and I achieved something this did you, morning. Did you whip somebody's ass? What even greater. Tell me. So, there's several accomplishments that are of merit in jiu-jitsu, right? Winning a world championship, uh, getting your black belt. Mm. And uh, this morning, I I trained uh, at Henzo's. John Danaher teaches the morning class, and he's considered. I'd say he's the the most insightful, intelligent jujitsu coach in the universe. He is. I was gonna say something, but I don't want to offend. Uh, no, say it. Can so I get a, Can I? Uh, can I get his name so I can podcast with him? John Danaher? John Danaher? Would he come on the podcast, you think? Would you want a podcast with him? I don't know. Is he somebody you think I would like podcasting with? I don't know. He might make you look silly. Really? Is he like, how smart is he? He has a PhD in philosophy from Columbia. But that sounds, that sounds like somebody I want to pick the brain of so I can take in a little bit of his energy. You know, listen, he has a joke. He has a one on Joe Rogan he did. Oh, he was on the Rogan podcast? Yeah, you go so listen this- to him. He had an episode on Rogan. Well, he's the best jiu-jitsu coach in the world. He's like – it almost makes every co- – the be- think of the best coach you know, uh-huh. and he makes them look like Sesame Street. Well, that's exactly why I want to talk to him because I want to so, make – Hold on. I want to be the best coach in the world. So I train with – so there in the morning. And after he shows the technique, all he does is watch everyone train. He doesn't coach you. Except sometimes he will say one thing, and this is all you get from him. Nice work. Nice work, John. 
<laughs> so this morning, I caught a move I love right in front of him. And he doesn't talk much. I'm telling you, he might, some classes, he doesn't even give a nice job to anyone. And you're talking about 60 people training. Mm. And this morning, I got a nice job, John, because I know him before I was mad at him. So that's good. That's huge. Uh, I was like, dude, you don't know how good that made me feel. It's on huge. Platform, I was like, oh, my God. I was like, I feel fucking great. That's good. Yeah. Job, John. I was like, oh, shit. He's from so what, what were you doing that was so good? Huh? What were you doing that was so good? Uh, the gable grip, the, the bolt cutter on the arm to make the guy, to force him to give me the sweep or else I break his arm. So you know, I, I will say, I will say. When we were in Texas and I almost fucked you up. Oh, you almost fucked me up. I almost I fucked you up. You had this death grip around me that it was so hard. <laughs> and I was just chilling. Like, My goodness. It was like, obviously, I just want to make it clear. Before, I almost fucked you up. You had before this, you almost fucked you up. Before. Yeah. You, because uh, then once you broke free of the grip, <laughs> shit, was, uh, shit was on. I can't even. It happened like back when we went out, you know, I, that night. Well, you know what, dude, I, I, the reason why I bring that up is because, and I've said this before in my podcast, probably because not the average Joe doesn't understand how good professional athletes are. Like they don't understand the, the mentality, the physicality, the amount of faith that they have in themselves and the ability to kind of just carry through on what the fuck they say with, you know, intention. It's on another level of regular people. So... A bun game time. Yeah, and then when 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 it comes time to crush it, they're the, like nobody else, right? Now that's that's an athlete, that's a professional. This is definitely the difference professional. between a pro and an amateur. To me, is the pro always shows up to the highest level he can. Always, right? Always, <laughs> which, which which I told you, I think we talked about this in Austin. Sometimes still not enough, but he's always he puts in the work. He makes sure everything's done. A pro acts like a pro, right? Whereas it could be good. He could have all the skills, all the skills to be a champ, but just not show up like a pro. I don't know if I told you sometimes success is 50% showing up. Other times it's a hundred percent. Yeah. That's a good point. It's a good point. But I know I have a few guys that won competitions just because no one else showed up. Yeah. Yeah. I understand. I understand what victories like that feel like, you know, it's just, I mean, it's better when you get to really like, sure. Fuck Sure. And as a competitor, I think you know you know what it feels like when you are really under the heat of competition, under somebody that can really fuck you up, right? Like me against yeah. you. Um, well, you know what's funny? Not like when the camera guy was watching my fight at the Garden, he was like, you were supposed to lose this fight. Me. That, that, I, was like, no. I was like, I didn't get the memo. <laughs> Wait, like, so why why were you supposed to lose it? Was that like the the mentality surrounding the fight? No, no. It just you could tell sometimes, right? Like younger guy, he, the way they would tell you know you could like that was a fight. They were I. He said it when he looked at it, and I feel like it, it was a fair matchup. But yeah, and Ray Longo even joked. He was like, you know how many guys in the gym lost money betting against you in that fight? <laughs> I was like, you say it as a joke, but I bet you're telling half the truth. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But you, you know what? So uh, you end up coming it. out on top, though. Wait till the next guy I smash is going to be a named opponent. I think I know who who it's going to be, uh, and uh, you know I'm looking forward to it. 
to, yeah, could uh, could you could you say could you say it or I'll call just... him out on my I'll call him out on the MMA and Beyond podcast. Yes, dude, I get him. I love it. I love the energy. Stir this shit I'll, up. I'll I can't call him wait. out. Listen, I'm gonna get what I wish for, and I want to make sure that I take advantage of that. Cause cause who I'm gonna call out can fuck me up or or has the potential to. So I gotta make sure I'm, I'm on my A game. Yeah, I like it, man. Yeah, yeah, some uh, some really good wins. But I'd like to make that one of my really good wins. When uh, when did this when has this been brewing in you for a long time? This idea, I got a feeling. I got a feeling. So we'll see what happens. But uh, let's nothing's fleshed out with that, so it doesn't yeah. really matter. Yeah. So I, uh, I will say that you, Certified Savage, connected with another Certified Savage this weekend, and it, I just can't stop talking about it. And like, uh, I was talking about in an Instagram live how on a weekend Wednesday when I have a really light schedule, I let all the feels from the last few days kind of just like rise to the top. Yeah, and you want to talk about that? Let's talk about it. Yeah, it kind of settles in now, and I'm like. I am so fucking like you want to talk about experience points that we gathered like it's all coming up now and it feels really it just feels really powerful it feels really connected and strong and I'm in a really nice like steady space I mean you had a really powerful experience I don't know how much you want to talk about but uh you did your meat flow in front of the whole group yes I had the privilege of presenting with you for that yes. workout yeah it was I mean we went out I met some good people Oh, you know what? Before we talk about the on a trip, I want to talk about mindset. Yes, get it. I remember the girl Stacy. You remember we went out to the club and I was talking to that girl. So I asked the girl, what do you do for a living? So she said she was currently unemployed. I was like, oh, there's a great chance for you to now do exactly what you want. Right. The unknown. I was like, oh, this is great. You're unemployed. I was like, what'd you do before? She's like, real estate, but I don't like it. I was like, okay, great. You know what you don't like. So I was like, if you could do anything you want to close your eyes, you got a boatload of money from doing something, uh, what would it be? And she's like, I travel the world. I was like, perfect. You could be a travel blogger. I was like, great. And she looked at me and she's like, you know, my coach friends are like that too. They're like so positive. She's like, maybe some fucking people just are meant to live their dreams. I was like, well, that attitude's going to assure that's the truth, right? Like you She said to- that to you? Yeah, it, at the club. At wow. the, you know. Yeah, that, that's not and a good I was like, man, with that attitude, you're telling me the truth right now. That's it. She that's already it. fucking blocked everything. But I am hopeful that what I said settles in. And that maybe she tries to do something a little more i you know i always think about every person i talk to hopefully i make an impact in a positive way yeah for sure at least that's so like- for that girl hopefully whatever i hopefully i said something that she thinks about a few days like you know what why don't i fucking go travel even if she just takes a vacation and writes about it once i'm like why wouldn't you want to do exactly what you fucking want to do especially you don't have kids you don't have like if you don't have responsibilities that make you feel like you can't. Why not? Yeah. Why? Why would the? Per- I mean, that's what I want to do with my online program first. Day zero before we even start. Make your battle board, like I do. Uh, I like that. I don't know if you see my battles. Yeah, my battle board. So I have a battle board, right? Ooh. Things I do daily. Huh? 
Take me through this. I like this. Oh, you like this? So things I do daily and my battle board will change a little bit, you know, depending where I'm at. In so my people life. for just listening to audio, it's a, it's a pyramid structure with the bottom is things that you do daily. Things like training, management, quality, nutrition. I read and write every day. I promote and make content every day. I recover properly every day. Sleep, hot baths, whatever I need to do. Oh, I breath, love this. Every day I do breath work. Every day I work on my mindset. And every day I visualize. Oof. Every day. Every, every day. fucking day. That's the bottom of the pyramid. Take me through that's the next the one. That's, that's the base of my existence. That's what I do every day. You are your daily habits, right? Dude, very, very similar to me. I think that's another... We were talking about why we connect so well. Like... That's been my daily habit for a long fucking time and it's continuing to keep going. And the more we do that, the more you attract more people like that. So that, I think that's another good, amazing reason why. Anyway, good night, the next step. The second one is interests, stuff I'm interested in. Martial arts, history, the cosmos, mm. metaphysics, health, fitness, and ancestral living. I put it as one and philosophy. Love it. Just things I'm interested in, right? And I just know, okay. If something comes up, it's like, is this one of my interests? Like, should I pursue? Is it one of my interests? Then. Hold on. Pause real fast. Yeah. So like, that's a good way to prioritize which way and direction your energy is going towards. You exactly. know where, every where which way that you, where your energy is going out. So this way you can pull it back or give more if you need some in that boat, depending on what you're feeling and how you want to go about living. Exactly. It gives me like a little direction. Yeah, love it. Now, the third one is my work. And I separate this depending on the part of my life into percentages. 70% MMA. Mm. Right? That's where the, the main focus is. Right. It has to be because it's the most dangerous thing I do. So, but 70% of my work, training, recovery, watching video, tape getting to training 70%. I have about a hundred hours a week of work. I figure for myself, 70 hours of it is MMA related. Manimal training camp online, that's 25 hours a week, which means training my clients virtually, in person and online. And then I'm working on a, a book, 5%. So if I look at an hour a day, that's enough. It's, it's not 100% priority. Then around the board, oh, then my personal motto, personal motto, so I Which always is, know what I'm about. I make the best out of the worst, and I make the most of the very least. And that's what I do every day. So every day I'm like, okay, make the best of the worst, the most of the least. So how, do you make, how do you put a lot into the best? Where do you leave that? Make the best out of the worst, and I make the most of the very least. If you give me, one penny, I will feed a hundred children, right? You make the most of the very I least. Get it, I like, get it. Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I obviously and I, I get make that. the best of the very worst. That would be myself, right? right. You see me, I'm short. <laughs> I don't show well as far as being ripped. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. I can like, as an athlete, you would never pick me to do what I've done. You know, it'd be like, Oh yeah, this guy, I'm going to make him a world champion in jujitsu. Look at all that quality. You'd be like, yo, that dude was 265 pounds. This fat dude, I remember telling my instructor, uh, Ralph Mitchell, I was like, after my first day, I got my ass kicked, black eye, fucking threw up seven times. And he's like, what do you want to do? I was like, you know what? I think I want to be a pro fighter. And he looks at me, and I, at the time, I think I was 230. And I was like 230 pounds, and he's like, you suck. 
And I was like, I know now, but it can't get worse than today. You know what I'm saying? So like, yeah. no one's going to look at me and be like, oh yeah, that guy, he's going to be a, a fucking world champion. And then at the very top, self-actualization, that's my personal rune. This is a rune for awareness, self-actualization, success. Pure awareness, as much as you can get to that pure potential space. As much as I can, yeah. yeah. And then around it, I give myself notes. I have an operation. Like, like it's a military procedure. Oh my God, this is so fucking amazing. This is amazing content right here. So I have an operation. What's my operation? So for the garden, it was achieve your destiny. I was like, Odin brought me here for a reason. Achieve your destiny, right? So for the garden, I had a different operation. So right now, the operation is just the legend continues. Right now, it's like the legend continues. Boom. Did that now. The Manimal's legend continues, right? And I actually just added this. I've been trying to say things as if already been done. So remember we were talking about levels? Yeah. And I'm like, I want 20th level? Yeah. I am fucking 20th level. That's right. So how does a 20th level guy act? Like so a 20th level guy. So, so how did, I'm just going to do that. And I'll grow into it. Uh, a note for myself, because I want to start getting back, you know, to a fight weight. I eat, yeah. train, and recover like a champion. I'm doing everything right to ensure victory. A note to myself. I'm exactly where I need to be. It's easy to rush. I love that. I've been saying that. And then I have my business goals. So Manimal Training Camp Online, I want to sell at least 100 online programs, 50 one time a week, and then 10 of the, the high-level coaching ones. And then I always have at the bottom, I never erase this, work hard, stay humble. It's easy for me to get a little out of control as far as being humble, so I got to make sure – I always okay. Just to just to recap, because that's very very good information. And I'm just going. A lot to there. I know there's a lot there, and that's it's a good way to structure my life. I honestly, manimal. Like we talk about how professionals perform. Like there's there's obviously these systems in place, and we have to use our senses to kind of make that all. Uh, attainable. So what you did right there is made a visual, you put everything in a nice structured pattern to where you could understand it. It's easy to digest something that can remind yourself every present moment you're there. That I you start could... there, the back room and I, yeah, and I do my morning movement where I stretch out a little bit. Yeah. And then I can look at the board while I'm doing that. I'm like, okay, like, remember what, what the deal is. Like, you know what you have to do here. Otherwise, people get frazzled in the day. It's like I can always come back to it and be like, all right, my, did I do my stuff today? Did I do my training? Boom. Nutrition. Okay. My interest it just keeps me focused. So if someone wants me to do something that I'm not interested in, I'm like, you know what? I'm not interested in it. If I really think it's something I want to do, I might have to like meditate on it or ask the gods or whatever. I would say meditate on it, but I don't really do that. I, you know, I do divination. Right. Uh, projecting. I'll ask you, yeah. So, <laughs> so if it's not something. That's your new, meditation. That's what you get to see. Your body's doing the same thing. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, because you know what? The way you I, define I it. And honestly, I think, I think that's, a, that's an interesting rebranding like, shift in uh, how to view meditation and what it can do for your body, what it can do for your soul, what it can do for your development. Yeah. Um, and then I'm just always right. I'm, I can always look at it. I'm like, all right, what are we working towards right now is the Manimal online program. Make sure you guys go to www.manimaltrainingcamp.com. <laughs> online program launches January 12th. So I want to make sure, okay, 
Like there's a countdown. Like I know it's, it's right on the board and I see right. what I want to sell. And I took a picture of this and sent it to my partner. So he sees what the goal is and we're like-minded. We look at the board together, you know, that part of it anyway. That's interesting. And make sure that we're, you know, everything's in alignment. That's huge. That's amazing. You I'm going to show my sponsored athletes this too. I'm going to do a video after we, we cut and I'm going to hype up my sponsored athletes because I want to give them $500 to the guy that refers the most online members. And if we, when we get a thousand signups, I will give every athlete I sponsor on top of the $500 prize of being the most $1,000 to every guy on the team when we hit a thousand. Dude, that's huge. That's huge opportunity for some people to take advantage of, huh? For a 22 year old kid, you can pick up 1500 bucks. I mean, that's good money, especially, you know, for a fighter, that's what you might get paid for a whole fight. And all you gotta do is promote our shit. Yeah. And that's on top of the sponsorship money we give them for being sponsored athletes. There's a bonus, right? We pay them normal also. And then this would be a bonus, an incentive bonus. So I think, which, so I always, I told you, I always think, what would I want someone to do for me? How would I want something to look? And then I just do exactly that. And I don't cut a corner. Even like you see the shirts I make, I can make a Gildan shirt and save $5. But that's not the energy I'm representing. You know, I was going to ask you about the shirts. I mean, obviously what you're saying is much deeper than that. But remind me later. I want to know, like, where you get your stuff so that I can make, make some shorts. I just go to Custom Inc., you know, because they're fast. But, I mean, I'm sure you can find a local guy Yeah. if you didn't need it as fast. Since you have, like, a program that you're always going to do. Like, I change my shirt every camp, yeah. every, you know, change it up a little bit, different sponsor. So, for me – that wanted to be easier for you who has a program, Steel Mace 101, you might want to get one shirt, maybe make 500 of them. Mm. And you'll be able to get a volume discount, but I would go to the next level. Next level, try blend. Those shits are nice. Next level, try my, okay. my hoodie is Under Armour. Right? So just to make this was $50. Yeah. You know, I could have made one for 20 bucks, but... That's not the energy I'm cultivating. I'm cultivating a high-level energy. Yeah, definitely. Right? When you study ancient warriors, what do they all have? Magic weapons, magic armor. Right? They get the best shit. So I'm not going to cultivate low-level energy around me. I want to be 20th level. Right? I'm not going to have the wooden sword. I want Excalibur. Right? Like, you want the best. King Arthur has Excalibur, right? No, for sure. I mean, That's I need Thor to absorb. Thor has Mjolnir. Yeah. Right. Why did Thor has Mjolnir, the best hammer? <laughs> you know, he's That's not rolling best. out there. He's not rolling out there with with a twig, except no. for one story. But you know, he loses the hammer. He had a fight with with a staff. I mean, it happens. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. So yeah, I definitely want to, I'm definitely gonna have to listen back at the podcast and take a look at that pyramid. You should have a little bat make a battle board. It's good. I mean, although I love yeah. you, you know, I think you definitely leveled up this weekend. Oh, definitely. I feel, <laughs> I almost took it for granted. What's that? The, the amount of experience I gained. Yeah, Even me too. Like getting to talk to Leo was important. Yeah. Got a lot of good things to say. Yep. Uh, meeting you, you have a lot of good things to say. You communicate well with everyone. 
That yeah. actually got a lot of good stuff from the other coaches there. We actually yeah. had a high level group of coaches. We did. Like the coaches that participated in the certification, some of them were top notch. I mean, like, yeah. uh, I mean, shit, we were there. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so. I mean, like, and it, it all feeded off one another, fed off, <laughs> it all fed off one another. And that vibration was just like elevated. Right. And then, I don't know. I think that's where the compounding interest comes in when we talk about leveling up. I mean, I'm not so sure like how I feel about that term, but you know, to put it in a perspective so people can understand, it's like, it, it really does feel like jumping up a level. And even just talking to Paul check yesterday, he talked about that's like, the, yeah, for sure. Oh my God, dude, let me tell you about interacting with him. Like he was talking about how like the earth itself is like this, uh, elementary school for souls and yep. as you as you like you know come to this like we talk about the next level and you create more awareness and conscious growth you get to this astral level where you can intermingle with energy and understand how it works if you can understand so this is i don't know if this is elementary school it's actually kind of difficult to work uh energy into the flesh if it was elementary school more people would pass. Uh, well, maybe that's the thing. So it's like, so it's, it's, uh, I wouldn't categorize it like that because I don't, because there's a lot of lessons we learn both ways in the flesh, in the spirit, because we have a lot of lessons in the spirit. When we die, there's a whole other fucking series of lessons until we can somehow vibrate our energy. I don't know that there's an until though, John. What? I mean, you know what I mean? Like we can have that conversation for hours. Like you said, we, we have a, 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 an infinite amount of, of, of lessons to learn, yeah. right? So it's yeah. not like we do this until something. It's just like the infinity game, basically, right? And, and that's why stillness and, is, is so important, right? Because it's, you want to just capsulate as much stillness as possible this way. I mean, in the flesh, you're taking in pure energy, which could be cultivated in ideas and inspiration and all sorts of shit. But that stillness is like, you know, the top of your battle board, you have self-actualization. It's, it's right there. You know, that's what it's like in the flesh. But on the other side, I would say it's a little bit more of this uh, unboxed well, no, the energy. No, in the flesh, you have a goal. It's ascension. I mean, yeah. that's why we study, you know, masters, what we call masters, right? Ascended masters, right? right. And that's when what Paul Chuck was talking about. He was saying, like, the, all the top-notch level masters were all, uh, all could remote view, all were clairvoyant, all had these tendencies of telepathy and attracting these higher uh, frequencies and vibration to uh, – and these things became more available, you know? Yeah, pick one of those guys you like, and I would emulate them. So I love Odin. Right, that's my patron deity. Yeah. So the, the, the whole story of Odin, when you were explaining it in the car, like this uh, is the, this is the type of information that like was leveling us up. I mean, you this story yeah. and the way we were both, me and Jake, were both listening to you. We we get lost on the expressways of Austin trying to get to where we're getting to because we're so immersed in this conversation. I mean, Austin's we, confusing too. <laughs> all the we all got lost, and he wasn't, you know. Yeah, but I mean that was a good story. I, if you, you if you want, you can share it with it. And I like I like well, I the what was powerful is that after I talked about Odin, 
Jake had a Raven experience mm. to Raven, which is very powerful because Odin has, you know, you have to understand myth is metaphor. Right. So as two Ravens, thought and memory, who circle the earth every day and report back to him. But this can be uh, code for a few things. First, the practitioner has the ability not just to astral project into his astral body, but also to project into his animal's body as well. So that might, so that could be a remote viewing mechanism Odin uses through his radio. Also, metaphor for thought and memory, two different parts of your brain. Odin every day, right, understanding and thought is different than memory. And memory doesn't refer to your memory. It refers to not just that, but the collective memory of everything that's happening. Right, right, right. So Munin, memory, is memory as an archetype. So Odin's Raven Munin is all memory. Everything that's ever happened in all of the multiverses. He's the storehouse for all of that. Everything's there. And understanding, or uh, the mind, as uh, Hugen, or thought, thought is different, right? Thought is an active process. Memory is a passive process. So two different parts of your brain. So the Odinic myth is extremely powerful because Odin has to go through the whole path workings. And it's upsetting sometimes for everything that's borrowed from my father, especially Christmas. It's upsetting to see the Christians claim uh, all these Odinic figures as part of a Christian religion. I mean, Santa Claus is Odin, right? Sleipnir, his horse, has eight legs. Santa has eight reindeer, right? He's the giver of gifts. So is the All Father. His rune Wunyo is a, a rune of gift giving. He has a magic ring, Draupnir, an arm ring made of gold. Every- yeah, but Santa Claus is not necessarily uh, a Christian thing. St. Nicholas, I mean, it's pretty Christianized, the, the concept of Christmas. Oh, I mean, the concept of Christmas for sure. It's very, it's very I mean, the ancients called it Yule. So Odin is the prototypical Santa Claus. He leads the wild hunt. His, he also studies, I told you this, he studies magic with the Sami people, the ones that herd reindeer and does mushrooms with them. Mm. So, and learns, so there's a form of magic that they practice, which wasn't practiced by other people called Saed, Saed magic. It's a type of energy magic. And uh, actually, traditionally, it's only practiced by females. So Odin breaks the bonds of everything. Male, female, good, evil. He breaks all the bonds. He can do anything. He has no dichotomy within himself, right? He actually is the many-faced God. He has hundreds of ways he can manifest himself, both for good and necessity. I wouldn't say evil. I would say necessity. Mm. Our concept of evil is very wrong. Is very, not wrong is very uh, limited. Our concept of good and evil is very limited. You need dichotomy in the flesh. Right. Right. Once you come to the physical plane, it's hard to not. It's hard to manifest oneness in the physical. That's why you have so much dichotomy. Right. Because it's like, it's like an asteroid. Right. When an asteroid comes to the earth, unless it's massive, it's hard for it to impact as one shot. What happens? It breaks up and splits into a couple pieces. 
So that's what happens kind of to your spirit. So it's to, as you start to get. Yeah. Paul Check, dude, yesterday he, he explained this like an acorn. It's like when you have an acorn, you don't have the, the tree. You have inside the, the, the genetic expression of the tree, and then it, it grows purely without any sort of being pulled in any direction. It grows into being its pure form, which is the tree. But the human soul is like that the acorn, the seed that starts to manifest in the physical form. It's supposed to be as pure as possible, but then that energy gets pulled in so many different directions based on our conditioning and our programming and uh, experience and that same patterns that go on and all that, right? I got to take you to do mushrooms with me (laughs) with some tree experience. So the tree is a very powerful, the tree is super symbolic, super powerful, in every religion, every mythology, but especially in the Odinic mythologies and the Viking mythology. So for the Christians, how does God create humans? Adam and Eve. Okay, and what are they made from? Adam's made, okay, Adam means ruddy, like clay. Mm. So they clay, right? Molded. And then the, ma- the woman made from the bone of Adam. How fucking sexist is that? <laughs> So in the Viking mythology, though, they're both made from two different trees. They're already living. Odin gives them the breath of life, right? That's why breathing is so important. Odin breathes life into them. Honir gives them shape, right? His other brother gives them uh, um, intelligence. So Odin breathes life into these twigs, and they shape them into human form. So humans and trees, very closely related, and the interaction very powerful very close even the tree the world tree is called Yggdrasil Yggdrasil means the steed the horse the vessel of Odin so the world tree is Odin's vessel for him to be able to travel every dimension for us for us Odin's the metaphor for the human right he's the ultimate human right right he ascends the ultimate human the flesh I mean it's a, it's a powerful primal magic that he practices at first. So Yggdrasil's seed, he can travel the entire multiverse through the tree of life. So that tree symbology for me was just extremely powerful. And when I trip on mushrooms, the tree interaction is incredible. Really? Like I, breathe out, I breathe out oxygen, the tree breathes in my carbon dioxide. Mm. I breathe carbon dioxide, the tree breathes that in, gives me back oxygen, I breathe that in. I root my feet into the earth and I try to make my energy touch its little roots. And I have very powerful experiences like that. Wow, man. Okay. That's pretty mind blowing. So then in, in that sense, does that uh, give us the ability to tap into more pure energy that's coming through our seed and our soul? Of course. That's the whole metaphor as above. If you read the works of Hermes, Trismegistus, the Western philosophies, as above, so below, as within, wow. so out. Remember yeah. when I told you, you were like, that's far, and I was like, it's right here. Because whatever's in is out. Yeah. Right? It's, it's almost like a weird convex mirror. Yeah, yeah, for real. I remember being, like, I did a heroic dose of mushrooms unknowingly one time a couple of years ago. And unknowingly, I was... like, just take the bit. That's, ex- John, that's exactly what I did. And ironically... <laughs> Ironically, I was with another friend of mine named John who looks like you, except he's like opposite. Like he's big and he's fucking strong. He's another teacher friend. Very, very similar. He and I connect just like you connect. And he came over. I was super dehydrated. 
and we just started eating the bag. Like I completely disrespected the process after the fact I was like, I'm afraid of this shit. I'll never do it again, but it's forced me to ask all these questions, but you were saying like, whatever's out is in. And I remember being somewhere in space, like being fucking quote unquote dead or like completely eliminated of ego. It was so wild. Uh, it's interesting. The ego dissolution. Yeah. It's so fucking wild, man. Yeah. The ego dissolution is interesting. And that's why I always have to watch myself. Cause yeah. while I like ego dissolution, I told you I like to put ego in the backseat. Yeah. Like, it's, like it's hard, man. It's fucking hard. Yeah. I need him there. Or else I'm not going to get out of my house in the morning. I'm just going to smoke weed all day. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Yo, if I had no weed, I just smoke weed all day. Yeah. Me too. I, I'm with you. Yeah. You got to help someone. Why? Cause you want to make a difference in the world. Why do you want to make a difference in the world? Cause the ego finds it valuable, right? I'm, <laughs> otherwise think about it. When you're in that pure ego state, what do you want to do? Sit there. Nothing. Yeah. You can't do it. You can't fathom doing anything. Cause you're just pure awareness is what you are. Do shit. And you know what? Like, <laughs> I also feel like that moment is misrepresented. Like there are people that are frightened of it. Like I was, and then I thought about it a lot and then people want to go there. They're so excited, but like there's so much shades of gray and the feeling is so profound that when somebody like Rogan talks about it or Kyle Kingsbury or Aubrey, it just seems like it's trickled over. Like it's not that big of an emotion feeling because it's really grandiose. And if you're not ready for it, and I talked to Paul Check about this because we were making all these analogies about consciousness and the oneness and <laughs> transcendence and all that stuff that I asked him about psychedelics. And he said that it could be an avenue to get to those places, just like you're talking about the mushroom trips with, with, uh, with the trees and all that stuff. But if one doesn't do that inward work, regularly it's not going to take them to a place of value and it's going to shift the perspective of what these things can actually do and they might not incorporate the lesson properly right right exactly so you're risking a whole ton of things that could be extremely helpful that now get thrown under the shelf as like whoa get that shit out of here because that's just drugs that's like whenever someone tells me they do a psychedelic frequently i'm like you have a pro you have an issue yeah, you like, can't be doing like it's got to be done. Like there's, there's there's an issue in the manifestation of your reality that makes you want to do this too much. Like I like I like even though I say I like to do mushrooms, how frequently do I really do them? I mean, when was the last time I did them? A couple months ago, and that seems like so recently to me. That remember I was like, I don't want to. So for like a for like a guidebook 101 with psychedelia, not that we recommend anybody to do these things. I, the space between them, because I was talking about Paul, I was talking with Paul about my MDMA experiences, because he talked about when he was young, he was hearing voices about like real strong intention for his soul to accomplish. Like he would hear voices, and I like related that with my experience with MDMA and going to a show and really feeling connected to source and these like powerful thoughts of you, you're on a mission. There are things that you have to do. There's a lot of people you're supposed to impact. Like, you know, this can be misinterpreted. You know what I'm saying? Could be misinterpreted. Right. I mean, it's easy to call someone crazy. Right. And you'd be like, Oh, Oh yeah, well, Odin told me to do this. Yeah, this motherfucker's crazy. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. I'll tell you, you have. I'd so, rather have. I'd rather be crazy in my own mind, than have something outside me 
influence me that's not true like the government and the media right right Right. you're getting all this other influence from all these other gods and you're not crazy no you're all right right and i guess where i was going with that and i kind of lost my train of thought so like i had an impact there uh you know it was an impactful moment but i'm not gonna go ahead and do that again next weekend like there's no fucking way i have to take that information and process it so like I don't know what the time frame is, but like once every six months or once every three months, like to recalibrate the the chemistry. I don't think there's a set time frame, but I mean, if you're doing it every week or every day, it's like, there's no way, there's no way you wouldn't get the, you wouldn't get the information. It's you wouldn't, you're getting nothing out of it. It's like even, okay, I'm going to regulate this. Like I do with everything to fighting. Fighting is, to me, the most psychedelic experience ever in all the universe. Uh, the way your senses are. I mean, I told you, I felt the individual threads of the canvas floor on my feet. The individual threads of the canvas floor on my feet. <laughs> I heard from the other world, my boy Gabbard coaching me, right? Yeah, that's what you said. For context, for people, for context, your boy Gabbert was somebody who committed suicide not too long before your fight. The week before my fight, yeah. I heard someone order a beer in my corner, right, like in between rounds. Yeah. And got to be like the 50th row, right, (laughs) like way out in the stands. I heard the pen on the judge's paper, you know, like smell the light smell the light who the fuck you know i could i wouldn't be able to do that normally yeah you're so so like basically so basically you're in a physical realm where you're so connected in tune that everything becomes one almost like because you are the pen writing you are the floor you are the light Technically, now I don't want to kill all hippy like, dippy because when I, I say you are this, you are that, you are this, you are feels that. Almost like I am my opponent. Ooh, ooh, see now that is interesting. Does that give you an advantage because you're so tapped in? I mean, I was that time. I've never been so focused because I like everywhere he moved at a certain point. Not well, not every moment in the fight either, but there was one point where I took him down and as we fell my hand went right where his bicep was gonna be like i like i landed in the it, like everything like almost as if i just took myself down yeah and then put myself where i wanted to be so weird some weird stuff like that yeah be, see so myself from outside the cage see myself from outside <laughs> uh when i went for the single leg on the bottom he had passed my guard and i remember thinking I'm fucked. And then I remember seeing myself grant his single leg. And then I, then I came back into my consciousness and I was like, remember, stand up with the leg. That's what Aljo said. Boom, I stood up with the leg and drove him back. Hmm. There was a split second where I left, watched, came back. Wow. But I'm yeah. so aware. I'm super hyper aware too. Right? Like I said, remember I said consciousness here, mine might be here. So you put me, I'm experiencing shit. I didn't even, can I, I don't know why I'm looking around, you can hear it. The God's honest truth. A lot of times when you hear the crowd cheering for me, manimo, manimo, right? I didn't hear him. That shit was loud. 
I'm here. I'm here. And sometimes I heard them and it was quiet. Fuck. It's so weird. And then like, to, but to recall those moments are like so out of this world. Like the only thing I can get close to is like kicking game winning field goals in important games. Yeah. 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 Then the focus, the, the yeah. field goal, right. So like when you I'm know, in Matt, that, when, when I'm were, in that moment, someone wants to try to come at you too. So yeah. So like I've, I've been in so those moments. Right. And like, because time ceases to, to exist linearly in those moments, it, it almost feels like, you know, a, a long time or a short time, but you could recall that moment real quickly and just understand, wow, what it was about before and after the effect and all that shit, man. It's wild. Let's talk about time. Let's do it. Um, so let's think about, uh, more importantly than time, let's think about space-time. Can you see this? Just a, I'm just going to make a cube. Yeah, right, right now, people who's just listening, listening audio, he made a three-dimensional cube. So I'm just going to call this space-time. Right. That's and where we live in 3D reality, space-time reality. Yeah, and, and let's say here's our universe. Our universe is a dot inside here's that one. cube. Here's our universe. Now I'm going to take this universe. Boom. And I'm going to make it look like this. Okay. Now here is one event, another event, another event, another event. I'm drawing lines. Mm -hmm. So you say you experience time linearly because that's, here's the event. That's how you experience that event. Mm. But it's not because here's all these other times. You could just go there like a map. Right. In our universe, that's happening an infinite amount of times. An infinite amount of times. Yeah. Boom. And all these things cross over, all these energies interact and bisect all the time. And when you experience a piece of it, it always seems linear. But it's not, because once you end that, you can go wherever you want. Right. You can go wherever you want, and I go wherever I want. But when I experience this piece here, it's linear. Mm. That's how it seems. Right. But I could just as easily, if I didn't want to experience it that way, go that way and go that way. Right. So now like you're making like squigglies. Out. Yes, right. You ever get knocked out? Well, at the Onnit Academy. Okay, you don't remember what happened, right? Not at all. Okay, you see what I'm saying? So now yeah. you didn't experience time linearly. You lost time. Yeah. The last thing you remembered happened way before other things that happened before it. Yes. Right? Yes. You're not experiencing time linearly, you fucked up. You jumped time. Right, but we normally yeah. don't do that. We normally like to when we go into the room. Here, here's my room. How do I walk into my room? I'm experiencing time. I walk in from the door. Now I walk into the fucking room in a straight line. In a straight line. I don't have to do that. I could have ran in here zigzagging all over the fucking place or dropped into the ceiling. But normally I come through the door. <laughs> and so when I come through that door, I'm experiencing it in a certain way. I open the door to this experience, this event. And when I go into the room, I'm, I have to walk the way the room is built when I do that. Unless I wanted to drill a hole in the floor or come through the ceiling, which is what Paul Check did, to go see the person's event in the past. Right. He drilled a hole in the ceiling of the event. Right. He came up through the top of it. Instead of having to go and experiencing it from the second that you got to the hospital, which could have been annoying. Oh, did you get to that part of, our pod of the podcast? Yeah, yeah, was, yeah. How wild was that? Uh, to me, I'm like, yeah. 
That's the way. This is the way. He's good at controlling it, though. Like I told you, I'm, uh, I consider myself like a blue belt. Right. Paul Chuck might be a purple or brown belt. I would say Paul Chuck is a black belt, bro. You don't know what a black belt looks like. If he was a black belt, he would have just teleported. To, if you're a black belt in the spirit, he would have just teleported to your fucking place, did the interview with you. Or he would have just laid down the hour of it with you doing it. All with right. Him. Hold on. Time out. Are you really talking about that high level where you could make physical disappear and reappear? It happens all the time. You lose fucking pieces of your reality all the time. And you're telling me the practitioner that practices it can't just do it? I'll just fucking erase a whole piece of your shit. Not me. I'm not high enough level. I'm just saying. I just, you're high enough level. You're the black guy. I take the whole guy out of existence. Boom. I pop you out of all the multiverses. Done. You know what I'm saying? The black belt, you don't even know what the black belt looks like in the spirit. I think of the black belt in the flesh. And I think about, today I went against another black belt. And this is a guy that against a white belt. In jiu-jitsu, let's be yeah. clear. Now, we're both black belts. And then the level among the black belts, why do you think the gods have different dimensions? The gods themselves, demi-god, lesser god, intermediate god, greater god, even the Vikings, in essence, around the entire universe, greater than all of it. Right? They identify their gods or archetypes. The Vikings already know this. They don't ever have a god like the Christian god, who's everything, right? All the Viking gods can die. Eventually, they're eternal, but not immortal because they could all die at Ragnarok. Cosmic forces can cancel each other out. So even the universe can destroy itself or freeze and then defrost again because the Vikings believe in a big defrost. Are you familiar with this theory? There's a big bang theory. Mm -hmm. And there's a big freeze theory that all the mass in the universe is there all the time. And if the universe spreads itself far apart, everything gets ice cold and freezes. And then slowly over the course of whatever you would call time, millennium, billions of millennium, something heats up somewhere, things get hotter, and the whole thing defrosts. And then the universe can expand again to very cold, and then something somewhere might heat up, the universe heats up, and this happens. So there's also a big freeze theory, and that's what the Vikings believe. Wow, dude, every time so, No, I haven't. And every yeah. time I talk to you, like I'm not gonna lie, the first couple times we've talked, obviously connection, probably not the clearest communication between you know what I'm saying? Like or like not 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 in a communication in the sense that I didn't communicate I didn't you don't communicate effectively. I have trouble understanding levels of this information. But the more we interact, <laughs> the cleaner that we talk about this, the more I have these aha. Ah. No, I struggle with this too. I'm out there experiencing it. Now, all I can do is tell you my experience. I don't really understand it. I'm telling you my experience. Yeah. But I'm walking to the room. I'm telling you my experience. That's all I can do. That's my goal. I'm, I have to acknowledge that I'm almost the vanguard here, that someone's going to have to quantify a lot of the stuff that I'm doing. Because I'm kind of just, I'm adventure, I'm experiencing. I'm, right, you're, you're, you're a PC. I'm a PC, I'm experiencing. I'm not looking to be the scientist in the lab. Right. Like uh, the last episode on MMA and Beyond, I was talking about alternate dimensions, alternate realities. And there's a physicist, Neokoku, right, the Japanese guy, he's always on the universe. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. and he studies alternate dimensions. He studies alternate dimensions. He calculates it, right? He has formulas for this, what it would look like if an alternate dimension existed and how this would work out mathematically. Apparently, there's ways to do this. What if you went through a black hole, he thinks, and then on the other side, there could be the inversion, right? Like you, the universe is here, it goes through, and then there's another universe on the other side. And what would that look like? He has math. And I left and I said, this motherfucker studying and I'm going there. <laughs> right? It's like, it, it's like if you read a book about Austin, Texas, and then you, you took, you seen pictures and watch you, videos pictures, and and you watch videos and then you go there. I'm like, I'm just going there. Yeah. So like that's where it's a little I, different, but it's different, right? We went to Austin. I can't write a book about all of Austin. I can only write a book about what we experienced. Yeah. So that's what I'm doing. It's like, I can only tell, like, I'm not writing a, a travel manual here. I'm writing uh, more like a, a travel blog. I'm not right. I'm writing like an experience blog of, Oh, I went to this place. I went to that. Yeah. Place. No, I get I'm, you. Like, I get you. I get you. But the more, you, the about, more we, that's yeah, but the more we piece things together, the more it makes like I'm like, ah, oh, interesting. Just like, you know, my my growth when it comes to understanding the nervous system and like interpreting information from whatever the present moment is and uh, space time as you were talking about it. So let's shift from space time to time space. Time space is inward, right? There's an yeah. infinite amount of time space. Right, just like in the physical, there's an infinite amount of space time. It goes yes. down infinity. Right. Now, the bridge between time space, where there's an infinite amount of possibilities and things taking place, and We're in very little space. Right, it's time first, then space. There's very little space. Very little space, but infinite amount of time. The bridge to this reality where this could be a little bit more practical, where we can make things uh, be like, oh, a little bit more understanding here and how things could manifest. We have junk DNA and junk DNA, as Paul Check talks about it, is like all the other possibilities within ourselves that could be with the inward work that we do also we talk about different forms of exercise like we do with the mace and the kettlebell and tai chi and yoga that aligns our spine enough to where we can tune into these higher frequencies where these in pieces of information become more aware uh, available like rear view uh rear viewing or uh telepathy and all those types of things that the the gods possess that could become our actual reality with the work that we are talking about doing essentially, right? That makes people understand that, oh shit, because of this junk DNA that we really don't know what it is, like it's just an infinite amount of information entangled in DNA and genetic form that could make manifest in our reality, right? Sure, I mean, the gods are the guidepost, right? Yeah, essentially. So whatever the gods could do, if you want to ascend to godhood, then you would have to be able to do all those things on the way there. Also, being in multiple places at once. I've been trying to work on that. Omnipresence. That's fucking crazy. Multiple, multiple places at once. Multipresence, yeah. So 
I essentially am in two places at once, but not conscious when I project. Now, Alistair Crowley says that he could do dual presence. He was horseback riding, and then he was performing a ritual in Italy. And he fell off the horse and then had to go back hmm. from Italy. So, you know, Alistair Crowley, he's a, a Western magician. You got to read the books of Alistair Crowley. Magic. Why so should I read them when you're Western- just, I, I get the, ma- I get the manimal interpretation. It's probably better than the book. Oh, that's true. So you know? uh, let's look at Western mysticism. Western mysticism is the system, the system of mysticism from the West, right? <laughs> so you know how uh, Eastern mysticism would have its origin in Buddhism, Hinduism, right? Uh, maybe Shinto in Japan, right? They have a uh, Eastern tradition. Right. Now there's a Western tradition stemming from probably Egypt. Really, if you take ancient civilizations, two types of magic, Lemurian magic and Atlantean magic. When Atlantis falls, those guys wind up in Egypt, right? They hide their books under the Sphinx in like 10,000 BC, 12,000 BC, probably something like that, as we relate time. And all the Western mystical traditions come from a lot of the Egyptian traditions that come from Atlantis. Work with crystals, uh, the energy work, working with the elements, right? If you've ever seen Western mysticism, it's like air, earth, fire, water, spirit, like a pentacle. These are all Western traditions in the West. So would you say like the pyramids and shit, that's all Western mysticism? That's Western mysticism. How they yeah, built dude, the pyramids. Have you ever seen have you ever seen that Gaia channel, the the show on the ancient pyramids? And they no. talk they talk about like um, you know, Nikola Tesla and the numbers three six nine and like how he engineered all this stuff with the uh, the forces of energy and how things So I'll tell you how they built the pyramids. It wasn't aliens. Not aliens. The Egyptians have very powerful elemental wisdom, right? Very powerful elemental uh, control. So, using all different types of elemental control through both mechanisms the flesh, physical, right? Like, let's say, machine, and the spirit, they have things like earth movers, right? The earth itself move and move your brick. Yeah. Through a combination of seismic activity that you create to start getting the earth to move this brick, energy work, a whole system, right, of doing this. Now, of course, who's the inheritors of this Egyptian magic, even though I don't like to admit it? The Jews in Kabbalah, right? The way the Egyptian Book of the Dead is, and uh, Kabbalah has a lot of principles with invocation and invocation. You know what that is? Invocation, invocation? No, 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 no. When you invoke a deity, you bring his power into your vessel as much as it, it can contain, right? Like when you have ecstasy, like, you know, um, St. Teresa, she has that ecstasy, right? A moment of ecstasy, that's invocation, invoking the spirit into you. You're filled with that spirit, invocation. Less common, evocation, when you summon the spirit out here very difficult to do you're not going to do it with gods gods you always invoke the gods you never evoke the gods but you can evoke through this western tradition different types of spirits through different mechanisms in smoke in a magic mirror 
So there's a whole Western tradition of mysticism that is often overlooked. And Aleister Crowley is probably in his time one of the most advanced practitioners. He has a whole cult that follows him, the 93rd current, because we're 93 million miles from the sun. And he was doing a lot of work with, uh, with this type of ancient Atlantean magic in the present. And a lot of that is invocation, evocation, Kabbalah, using the Jewish uh, alphabet and numerals to do path working, travel through the realms of the universe through that. And you would go through the archetype of the tree of life, or the Kabbalistic tree, to work through the universe and all the archetypes of that. Whereas the Buddhist path only does the, the, the middle pillar. So the tree is uh, branched out sideways also. Buddhists only do the middle pillar. Dude, right? it's so Stop fucking it. crazy. Like your brain is like this encyclopedia. How the fuck did I remember that Leo fought in Gladiator Challenge 13 years ago? Dude, the way your makeup is that is crazy. That fucking drove me nuts. I was like, Leo. You fought in glad. You said his last name, Urquidez. I was like, "Oh, Leo Urquidez." Like you fought in Gladiator Challenge. He was like, "Yeah, for the title." I was like, "I know. I read it. I read it in the back of a magazine fifteen years ago." The fuck out of here! Get the fuck out of here! Is right. Get the fuck out of here! Is right. Would you believe me if I told you that you didn't see me do that? You were there, right? I was there. Boom, and I was like, yeah, I was like, wait, you fought in Gladiator Challenge. Look at that. When you said his last name, it jogged it. I was reminded long ago about this old school fight. I was like, don't you remember Marillo Bustamante and Chuck Liddell and he hit him with the fuck? And I'm telling he's like, no, I don't think they ever fought. I'm like, you fuck. I was like, I have to pull this up now. I got to like. It's really fascinating. Like, you know, that's what I hate about the internet, though. In the future, they're just going to control all that information, and I won't be able to actually know. i got to keep some of my books. Because when you have everything online, then they'll just – then someone can just change that information, hack into the system, and you'll never know the truth of what happened in an event because memory is faulty. And that's what drives me crazy, that mine isn't. So people think I'm crazy because I'm telling you the way it is, and you don't fucking believe me a lot of times. I'll tell someone exactly the way it is, and they don't believe me. But we also do, I mean, to just play the contrarian, like yeah. memory is flawed, and we don't recall things oh, yeah. the way they're supposed to. So, like, there is a possibility that we're full of shit because we're human. Of course. Listen, I remember some things not too accurate, too, but not yeah. with fighting. <laughs> not, not with fighting. fighting. Fighting, it's your thing, right? I guess that's what my brain is, like, loves uh yeah that's so, cool I, I didn't know that leo was a uh like a big time fighter but like maybe well, we can shit hold on back to memory yeah that's why journaling is important remember what i told you about when i went away in the woods and, and fasted for five days no water for three yeah remember it i don't remember it at all at all but i wrote it down so thank the gods that i wrote it down it was some profound experiences i had there that i only know because i wrote it down you say, thank, you say thank the gods a lot. Like, like it's interesting that, you know, like even just like re regular religious people, they say, you know, praise Jesus, thank God. It's like I get a negative connotation with that a little bit because like it just doesn't make sense the way I, I was thinking about religion is kind of Paul was talking about. 
But then, like you say, thank the gods. Like, I remember that shit. Like, thank the gods that I remember it. It's so interesting because then the way you speak about spirit and the gods, it's like, oh, this is like man could be in that form, kind of. You know, that's, I like to think that the gods believe in me too. <laughs> you know, that they're looking at me scrap it out down here. <laughs> they're like, look at that little motherfucker. Yeah. Look at that dude. <laughs> so that's what i hope man. i just well hope you know that. have you do you like travis scott the universal, like all right i mean you gotta guys scrapping it out down there man you gotta respect it are you a fan of travis scott oh um the rapper what he sing stop trying to be god no the song that you're thinking of is probably sickle mode Sicko mode, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. That's I like his main that. song, but he does have a song called "Stop Trying to Play God" or "Stop Trying to Be God." And honestly, the the first I watched his documentary, and when I watched his documentary, I was just like fucking fascinated with Travis Scott because I truly believe that Travis Scott is at the point where he is just so present and tapped in oh. that he is just like bringing out this music that's connecting all these people and you watch the, the documentary bro and all these kids that go to his, his concert they're all like travis scott makes me feel incredible like i can do anything you know and and that makes that made me be like hmm what is this motherfucker speaking in his music what is he what is his, why is his music so special so i immerse myself in travis scott music as i've been doing this work over my summer and kind of like developing steel mace 101 and doing the podcast and like learning about the unknown and talking with guys like you and, and Chapal check and, and understanding the inner works of the cosmos. I think Travis Scott is so tapped in that he's using this information to his fucking potential and creating this reality for himself. That's out of this world. Hmm. That's what I think. I mean, Astro I'm world. Have to give it another, you know what? I, I've heard his music and I like it, but I, I haven't, listen to Do it me like, a favor I'm have like to go listen to it again yeah like with that in mind right yeah like, watches like watches documentary i'm sorry music is transformative it is and like so, you know i gave you that analogy millions of times over the weekend and you're like stop talking about the whole music and the consciousness and the reality thing but i had to think about it again yeah but i had to rethink about it yeah away from the weekend because yeah. my because i don't i'm not that into music you know i don't like to um play music when i work right. out right well so I, I gave you i look you gave but, me a, a visual right you gave me a visual uh, anyway finish your thought finish your thought but then i thought about how important forget about music let's break it down energy okay let's take energy one step between those two things rhythm vibration frequency what's vibration and frequency rhythm mm. the vibration flow the flow the right of energy and information is rhythm right. right vibration plus frequency is a rhythm right even if it's broken rhythm right and i was like well that's powerful because we're always doing that in fighting you create a rhythm and you break the rhythm and that's how you get guys right you create a rhythm you break the rhythm hmm. so then i'm like okay well maybe i don't have to think about it as music but if i think about it as rhythm then it becomes something I can relate to. Mm. And so it made me think about it different. Yeah, then I'm like, okay, let's talk about music because it can be a very transformative force. Yeah. And then there are certain things. And then what happened was I heard a song and I heard a song and 
whenever I hear this song, it reminds me of uh, a certain time in my life, a certain person I had went out with. Yes. And it was only one night. And it was one very special night. And this song was playing and we sung it together at the bar. And, uh, and it was powerful. And it, every time yeah. I hear it, I think about that and I'm like, wow, music is transformative. So yeah, that's a, that's something so a, lot, a lot of people I told could. you, I'm just experiencing things. I'm not saying people think because I'm confident in my experience that I'm not open to uh, change to, to looking at something a different way. I'm just presenting my experience. Here it is. I'm just, if I show you the lighter like this, you're not like, uh, you know, offended by it. But if I show you my experience like this, you are. But then I, you could be like, yeah, but do you know how to use that lighter, right? I might Dude, not. That, that pipe down there is hilarious. People are going to be offended by that thing. What, this pipe? Yeah, what are you doing, drugs? It's purple. What are you guys <laughs> doing? What are you guys doing? Talking about reality and drugs? Actually, you know what's funny? I've been mixing it on and off. One bowl of weed, one bowl of CBD. Have you been doing CBD? I like the smoke. I think they work best in synergy. I think a lot of things have a synergy bonus. Mm. And, it, and we often try to segment everything. Oh, CBD, CBD, CBD. Oh, we should. Oh, vitamin E is good. Just have vitamin E. Vitamin, right? you'll, you'll pick one thing and then just add nauseam, run with it. But I don't think it works that way. I think there's something called a synergistic bonus that things work better in uh, synergy with each other. Yeah, I agree. So, and, and, I, and I think that CBD and THC is like that. I think yeah. you should both. I think, I think they work better together. Yeah, that's, uh, that, that's a good point. That being said, I'm going to roll a joint too. But, you know, we haven't talked about the, uh, the steel mace search that we did on it. Let's, let's, go, let's transition to that. Okay. So, totally different for me than it was for you. Um, yeah, tell me about your experience. Okay, so you have to remember, I did a form of that 20 years ago. Right. And all we did was swing the mace. 360s. Three, well, and, and single arm. So, we did single arm swings, back and, like, elbow up, boom, like this. Mm -hmm. you see me do a few of these in my flow if you, I, you didn't but i'll maybe i'll videotape my flow one very violent but I, like I love it. i love the manimal flow like i it's totally different i think it was like it's different dude that's it, the beauty of the mace it's it's all unique different movement that can be interpreted any which way there's no right or wrong you only did 360 and this way mm, like club work single arm and then we did um and then we would hit the heavy bag with it <laughs> like true fighters and then and... we hit telling you that's what we did with it we did 360s single arm oh wood choppers wood choppers we did wood choppers with it and and then we hit the heavy bag with it both on the floor and standing and i then invented a product for it but it was really great so what i got out of it is the whole way they made a system around it to be able to teach beginners yeah use it and yeah. i found it very valuable yeah 
and, and a real systematized approach, different ways to activate against it I found useful, and just a way to put it together as an instructor on it. Yeah, for I, sure. I used my 20% code to get uh, uh, six maces. Oh, you bought it already. Cool. Well, yeah, I want to... I want to have my animals, animals, the guys I do in person. I want to teach them with it. Good. And I'll bring it to the fighters too. So we can do a little mix. Yeah. We'll do one minute, three sixties, one minute kettlebell swings, one minute kicks on the bag, you know, put that in a fight gone bad. It'll be good for them. Fuck. Yeah, dude. This way you introduce it a little bit more. Yeah. A little grip training with it. Just those holds, pull it apart. That's the best. Those are great. The flow I did and on it was good for fighters, the uppercuts. I mean, there's so much useful stuff there. And I think it's a valuable tool for the fighters. And it's uh, definitely a little different. Dude, look at this joint I rolled. Perfect. Perfect. Wow. Skill. Skill. Definitely leveled up. Look at that. Without, without, it was so perfect. You might have gained a level. You might have gained a level. Dude, I'm so glad weed is legal now in, in a Chicago land area in Illinois. I'm decriminalized in New York. Yeah. Smoke everywhere. And thank, I'm so, I'm very grateful, man. Yeah. What is that? Attitude of gratitude? Joe Dispenza's right. And you're just grateful? Fuck, everything feels a little better. Definitely. Definitely, dude. Great gratitude. I want to text with you. What's that? A Joe Dispenza workshop? Oh, my dude. You want to talk about transcending levels there? Yeah, I definitely did. I gained a level out there. And then I'll be like, yo, Joe. Hook me up to some shit while I astral project, and let's see what. You know. <laughs> hey Joe, hook me up to some shit while I astral project. <laughs> yeah, let's get someone to quantify the shit I'm doing. You I mean, he, have you you read the Becoming Supernatural book? Yeah. So like you saw all the brain scans in there. So when you astral project, which which brain wave are you at? Gamma and theta, or? That's what I'm saying. Hook me up to some shit while I astral project. Yeah. Yeah. Cause so like beta is where we're always in. Right. And when we get into those, like um, those real meditative moments and we're in alpha and we get into like deeper alpha brain waves. And then I think it goes down to, I don't even know, gamma and theta and it goes down even lower. Whatever it is. But I'm curious. Yeah, I'm curious what happens. What happens when I do healing work or I cast a rune? When I casted the rune for success on you, you said you felt it. I totally, when you did that, so you came in, you, you, like, you put your knee against I, my back. I you out first, yeah. Yeah. And then like, you were putting your like, hands on my spine and you were like, doing some weird chants. And I swear to God, I felt like this. <gasps> what the fuck did you just do? <laughs> yeah. So hopefully it's been helping. I love working with the runes. That's the secrets of the cosmos. Dude, how do you wait? So explain that a little bit. Rune work? Yeah. So first, of course, today is Wednesday. We do Wednesday. I always keep Odin and Wednesday. So the runes are essentially the Proto-Indo-European language. The Proto-Indo-European language. Yes, so there's a Proto-Indo-European language. There's a language that predates all the languages of Europe and the steppes, right? Mm -hmm. 
this language looks like the roots. It is the roots. This is the language that Odin, through his first sacrifice, brings to the people of, because the Greek alphabet looks totally different than the Proto-Indo-European alphabet. So does the Proto-Indo-European alphabet also like uh, have numbers as letters and all that stuff? There's numbers associated with the letters, but not to the extent of the Jewish mystical tradition. Hmm. Like, you know, in Hebrew, every letter is also a, num a numerical. Yes. Yeah, that's what I was asking. I didn't know if that's so, Yes, there are numerical values to numbers. There is runic numerology. Uh, maybe not to the extent, although Edred Thorson may disagree with me. There's a rune worker. He really loves runic numerology. He would dis probably disagree with me and say that the runic numerology system is more advanced, of course. So now... Uh, I think it's... It not as much about the numerology in the runes as it is uh, there is a lot of numerology in it i'm not going to say there's not the sacred number of nine three times three uh the the rule of eights so there's a lot of right uh, there's there is a lot of numbers in it but let's get back to the runes as a both an alphabet yeah. and a mystery. okay so the runes are so odin he uh if you make it as the historical Odin, he's a king, one of the Trojan princes, right? Troy falls, Trojan princes got to get out, right? If you survive, Aeneas goes to Rome, right? That's the Aeneid. Aeneas goes to Rome and founds the line of the Roman kingdom, right? Iulus, right, winds up in Britain, and uh, the Romans equate Aeneas with Thor almost, so which would make sense if you're putting all these Viking gods as coming out of Troy. Mm-hmm. Although the Odinic energy is primeval, right? It's ancient. The Odinic energy is ancient. The Odinic figure who we sometimes conflate that with was probably a king in the Black Sea area. He travels the world. He finds the tree of Drassel, both spiritually and probably a physical representation of it somewhere in the north. And he performs a ritual of sacrifice, self-sacrifice, the only sacrifice worth meaning. Would you like me to read the rune poem or explain it? Yeah, read read the rune poem. Is it like an actual language though? Like I'll speak in English. Yeah, a trowel that I hung. I know that I hung on that windswept tree, swung there nights all nine, gashed by a blade, bloodied for Odin, myself, a sacrifice to myself, nodded to that tree, of which no man knows where the roots can run. None gave me bread. None gave me drink. For nine days and nights, I hung there in agony, fasting. On the ninth night, screaming, I found the runes. I grasped them and then fell from there. The nine mighty spells I learned from the son of Bolthor, Bessler's father, and a precious drink from Ogeria. And then I began to quicken and grow wise. From a word to a word was I led to a word, from a deed to another deed. And that's how Odin wins the runes. And then he takes those runes and he brings them to the people of Europe. And that's the Proto-Indo-European language, both our language and a magical system. Each rune, a powerful symbol that controls an aspect of reality. 18 powerful charms, Odin says. I'll read the rest. 18 powerful charms for protection, success in battle, lovemaking, healing, and the power to bring back the dead. My sacred blood fell with hot wind and rain deep into the earth. 
then I cracked the earth open and came the sons of Odin. So deep. <laughs> so Odin's quest is deep. And then he goes over the 18 runes. I know a first rune, which all men who wish to live as physicians would know. Help it is called, and it will be of great help to you in times of need. I know a second, where there, where, uh, where there is strife among kingsmen. Quickly, I will bring settlement there. Right, I know a, a third, where, uh, where I see witches flying in the air. I know the rune to chant to bring them back to their bodies. So he's talking about spiritual combat now. He's like, I need these runes. Because if you're astral projecting, trying to fuck me up, now I need runes to get you back to your body so that you can't attack me astrally, right? There's a whole system here. Possession, right? You, when someone's possessed, what does that mean? An entity, something in the astral form came into them. So he's like, I know the runes to cast. Uh, Dude, you're doing this off the top of your head. Yeah, and he goes through a whole list of these, right? Uh, I know a ninth where there's fire in the hole. Quickly, I calm it. Uh, I, I know a tenth if I lead loyal friends to battle under the shields I chant. Safely to the battle we ride. Safely we come back. Safely everywhere we travel. Um, and I always chant that one before I come uh, on a trip, right? Safely to the battle we ride. Safely we come back. Safely we ride everywhere. Um, I, know, I know a thirteenth over the young... The, the young oak of battle, if I pour water over his head before swords, he will not sink. Um, I know in 18th that I will teach to no man, no maiden, nor man's wife, unless she be my own sister or the one who lies within me. Uh, and this is a secret rune. I'll teach that rune. Uh, so yes, there's a lot of powerful runes that Odin brings to the people, and each rune has power. I uh, invoke the rune Sowilo, which is success for you. That you. is amazing, bro. Like, what? That, like, dude, that. days just keep getting more interesting. What the fuck? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I got to tell you something interesting, but it got to be off the podcast when we get off. All right. We'll, uh, we'll go for another, I don't know, another 20 minutes. It's already been an hour and 20. Hour 20? Yeah. I mean, that was a very powerful speech you just did there by the top of, top of your head, talking about the runes. I know. I mean, fuck. Dude, this was a good podcast. If I mean, we can end it here. It's beautiful. Fuck. I, I study deeply the runes. So you have to – so by, by emulating the god Odin, I understand those sacrifices. I need to do more Odinic work. Understand, you know, uh, understand a little bit. Fuck, I think I'm really here to spread the, not so much the word of Odin, but just that type of way to approach the, the spiritual workings. Yeah. Because I'm flaw. I mean, not flaw. I'm not happy with the spirituality that I see around me. Right? I see a lot of soft spirituality. Me too. Okay, I see a lot of patchouli incense and fucking, you know, downward dogs. And... Odin's spirituality is like full contact spirituality. I mean, listen to what he has to do. I gashed myself with a blade, bloody for Odin, myself, a sacrifice to myself, right? He's like, yo, you want to experience the flesh, you got to use the flesh, right? Uh, maybe aestheticism, part of that, right? Fasting, uh, you know, going off by himself, 
that solitude. I mean, he has a hard style. He's a god of war. I mean, solitude is important. Not a lot. Of, not a lot of people know how to be by themselves for a good amount of time without any sort of like modern day distractions to where they can look inward and be forced to look inward. Now it's just like, how can I put my energy out there? Fucking take it, please. Suck me dry. I think one of the reasons that the Vikings have such an advanced uh, spiritual system is because of all the time they had to spend inside. <laughs> in the dark. They're living in Norway, in Iceland, four months. You're not doing much. There's yeah. four months here where you're not doing much. When you, were, when you were traveling, did you uh, stay off your phone and try to like do your meditations and astral project on the airplane at all? Coming home, I wasn't able to. No. It was too turbulent. Yeah, it was very turbulent. Very turbulent? Uh, yeah, going to Austin, though, I was able to play around a little bit, but nothing too crazy. Then Jake fucked me up that one night. I wanted to try to project that night, but... <laughs> I don't know how many times his alarm can go off in the middle I, of the night. <laughs> that night, I didn't sleep. I, my whoop didn't even pick sleep up. Wait, he only picked up sleep from 5 a.m. from the last alarm. So, I, yeah, that night I didn't do anything. Uh, but I tried to be – I wasn't trying to be on my phone too much. Yeah. I try to yeah, stay I off of it. I try to come up with better protocol. You know, like, it's part of the business. It's a you with me. I didn't even put a post up all weekend, really. Uh, dude, I did – today, yesterday, the picture of me, you, and Leo. When we started coming home, like, Sunday night, I started putting more stuff up. Yeah, the the po the picture of me, you, and Leo was the first post that I posted in ten days. I was telling my wife, I was like, I haven't posted on Instagram in ten days, and and I'm like, I haven't done that since I started posting on Instagram. And she goes, "Is everything okay?" <laughs> I'm like, "Fuck, yeah." I mean, it's fine, obviously, right? But then you just kind of have to get into the swing of things again because it is a consistency thing. You have to just do it one a day, two a day, whatever. Well, now I'm back on that. Yeah, because you have to for promotion. Now I'm promoting the online training program. So I have to make sure that, you know, I put all my energy into that and promote it and do the right thing with that. Yeah, you're doing a good job with that. I'm trying to take as much of, of that from you as possible. Yeah, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to blow it up. I want to help my people. I know it's weird that the first thing I always think about is I want to give the money away. I want to make money to give it away. Uh, noble, man. I'm just I'm like, whatever. I'm like. Right? Yeah, dude. If I, let's say I sold the thousand spots uh, of my thing, that would be I made 30G, right? Out of 30G, I want to already give seven grand away. You're talking about the manimal training camp. The manimal training camp, yeah. I already want to give like a quarter of it away. <laughs> Not away, but give it to my, my sponsored athletes just like – Yeah, well, look, you know, I, I, I'm thinking about my relationship with money now is, is it's a resource. It's a reinvestment in the, in the programs and things we're trying to do to spread a positive message in a clear, more entertaining way. You know what I'm saying? Like, it would be awesome if this production was put together a little bit better, higher end, nicer video. Video you know, better studio, stuff like yeah. that. So it's like we re it's not like giving it away, but it's reinvesting so that we can give this message cleaner, essentially. True. Then you could fly guys in like Rogan. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not, it's not giving your money away, but it's like I said, it's reinvesting in your truthful, uh, inspire, inspiring message that you're trying to give out so that you can help people grow and develop, you know, 
and give them that energy that you have that's ultimately it's infinite right because you connect to the unified field you you are you are working in a in a in this loving uh gratitude gratitude approach towards things and that's what the universe is going to keep providing you with right just more ways to keep going with that is that your alpha brain the last yeah yeah i just I I, new I, um they had a new flavor blackberry lemonade no, huh? The peach is where it's yeah, at. Just stay with the peach. Yeah. I like yeah. the peach. I know? like the peach too. I, I think peach peach flavoring is good. Yeah, the, the blackberry lemonade, I thought it was going to be a little different, but not a fan. But I do, uh, I am excited to get a bunch of maces, you know. And then what's cool about the mace is something that, I like things that let you show your personality. Oh, so with art, yeah. So martial arts, show your personality. Right. Right, like you, you can tell every. I don't know if you are a fan of the Matrix. You know, I haven't gotten into it, but I probably should. But there's one where uh, Neo, right, Keanu Reeves, he he goes to to you know to go meet like someone, and the person's bodyguard just right off the bat starts fighting with Neo, and this is you know like uh, it's Jet Li, right? So Jet Li and Keanu Reeves, they're fighting, da da da, and they're fighting, you know, back and forth for a short time, maybe two minutes, but epic. And then Jet Li just stops and he's like, okay, we're good. He's like, come on. And he's like, that's it? He's like, yeah, you know everything about someone once you fight them. <laughs> and it's true. Like Ray Longo says all the time, he's like, I can tell you everything about someone once I see them spar a few rounds. Their personality, how they are in their relationships. He's wow. like, what? You know, he's like, once you can see it just in everything someone does when they're like your person, because no one fighting is one of those things where you don't, no one has to look the same. So if you think about football, every guy who's a linebacker has a certain size, right? A wide receiver has a certain disposition of body type. Sure. Quarterback usually is a certain size, length, physicality. Right, the fighter. Who the fuck knows? As long as you make the weight class, and before there was weight classes, it was like whatever. You could be anything. Right? He's like, how do you want to fight? Well, I don't. Know. I, I like to grapple. I, this guy likes to strike. Well, I throw the fucking iron broom. Well, I don't even know what that is. You know, like so, and that's personality based, right? I I like to be close. Yeah, that's why MMA is interesting, huh? Because now you have you can do whatever. You can do whatever. It's freedom. So the mace. How, how can I swing it when I flow? However you feel like it. When I flow, how do I do it? However you want. <laughs> Boom. So the mace, another tool, which is important to have these tools that let you express yourself freely without a high degree, a high barrier to entry. Dude, so, the barrier to entry so the barrier to entry for fighting is high. Right? You're going to have to have someone first who's willing to take impact. For you to express yourself, you're going to have to get punched in the face or choke. Right? And there's a, that's a high barrier right there. Now, that's, a good, that's a good relation to real life because when you are in the unknown, if you want to express yourself freely, you're going to have to take a couple punches to the mouth and get choked out and be resilient enough to come back and adjust. But with the mace, it's physical. I can have contact with the mace on me. Right? I can... I can get some contact with it. I put the mace on me a lot. I don't know if you know. Like, yeah. I like to feel the steel. 
<laughs> I like the feel con- the steel. <laughs> feel the, I like the feel the steel. I even when we were standing, I was hitting my shins with the bowl of the mace a few times. I like to feel the steel. Yeah. So there's some physicality that comes with that and a, a freedom of expression because it's just how do you want to move it? How do you move? And it becomes an extension of yourself. Weapons training is like that a lot. The Mesa type of weapon. You know, I also am a stick fighting champion, knife fighting champion, and, uh, and I do medieval sword and shield. You know, I do the Viking style combat as well. Uh, I got my three foot shield, my sword. Dude, my sword is dope too. Wait, you want to see my sword? <laughs> hey, baby. I mean, bring it out, man. I'm all. I'm not gonna fucking. This is gonna. This is where we're gonna finish when I talk about the steel. Feel the fucking steel. Yeah. Zing. So now this is this is gonna be uh, everything we need to know about coaching. Is it signed by Randy Jackson? No. <laughs> no, it's not. Who the fuck is Randy Jackson? <laughs> it's from Step Brothers. Why, you, why do I have a samurai, you have a samurai store signed by Randy Jackson? <laughs> uh, see the leather handle? That's right. awesome. Nodded. Now, let's look at something on this blade. At one point in its life, right, this sword was just a hunk of metal. Just a hunk of metal, right? Now, battle ready. An exact replica of a 8th century Viking sword. That's pretty awesome. Something his house curls, his, something his knights, the equivalent of knights would have carried this type of sword. Now, if we look close, can you see this pattern in the sword? This is Damascus. Yes. See that pattern? Yes. Okay. The way you get this pattern in the sword is by taking the steel and folding it and beating it back into shape and folding it and beating it back into shape. Yeah, I remember, you, I remember you were saying that in Austin. That's right. And this particular sword has been folded 512 times by a wow. master smith. Can, I, can I see it again? Can fold, I see the sword again? Every time you make this fold, every time you make this fold, there's a chance that the fold will not stick. The lesson will not stick. We learn lessons in life. A fold, a wrinkle in your brain. Every time you learn something, your brain gets a wrinkle. Did you know that? Yeah. No, I didn't know that. Oh, you didn't know this. You got another wrinkle right there, too. (laughs) Every time you learn something new, you get a little wrinkle in your brain. Now, if you fold this steel and it doesn't stick, you got to throw the steel away. But if you keep folding that steel and keep folding it, you make such a dense and beautiful blade that it could cut through anything. Sounds like life. And it sounds like life. Incorporate the lessons, make them stick. The layers have to stick to each other. And then the blade isn't just going to be strong. It's going to be beautiful. And then anything you need to do, you just cut through it. A problem comes by, cut right through it. I'm the sword of Odin. You want to be the sword of the universe. I just, if there's a problem, can I just cut that problem away? And then there's a power too. The sword gives life. You ever read, um, I think it's Takwan Soho? Oh no, Munanori. Sorry. Munanori, the Japanese swordsman, writes the life giving sword and the life taking sword. Mm. And it's the sword that gives life and the sword that takes life. Right? If I 
take this sword, right? I could go kill someone right outside my door, boom. Or I can take this sword and defend people against someone trying to kill them and save multiple lives. So the sword works both ways. Every tool does that. The sword that gives life, the sword that takes life. Every tool you have is both a, a benefit and can also, if you take it the other way, become it's disaster. The polarity of this physical realm. Yeah. And it's an example of free will and choice and agency in this realm. That's how we navigate the Odinic path or whatever energy energetic path that you want to do. And that's how things become more available as far as characteristics and lessons and all that stuff, man. It's a great way to fucking end this podcast. You're the man, dude. Perfect. All right, Danny, every time I interact with you, it's a life blessing. Seriously. It is. I, so, amen. I agree to that. Very, man. I'm very blessed and very grateful. And of Likewise. course, I that it worked out the way it did in Austin. I mean, I had such a good time. I can't tell you enough. And I underestimated the amount of experience I got. I feel fantastic. Good, man. Me too. Me too, bro. I have fucking, the, the feeling is mutual. And, you know, it says something really special about the shit that we're trying to accomplish and the things that we're trying to do and how we want to interact with reality and the way we want to impact people. It's fun to do it with somebody that's the caliber of, of you, yourself, and the energy that you give out. It's uh, Thank it really, you. It's an honor, man. You're great too, man. All right. I'll catch you yeah. later. And that was the show, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you haven't already subscribed to the show, make sure to hit the subscribe button on Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, however you listen to podcasts. Make sure to hit the subscribe button. This way you'll get an update on every new show that I have. And it's going to be weekly like it's been for the last two and a half years. Awesome. If you want a little bit more of John the Manimal Beneducci, make sure to check him out on Instagram at John the Manimal Beneducci. All that will be in the show notes. And make sure to check out his podcast, MMA and Beyond, if you're a MMA fan. He's got co-hosts Steve Miraboli and Ray Longo. The chemistry between everyone is really, really good. And they run a really entertaining podcast. So... That's it, everybody. Let's connect on Instagram at Danny Cola Fitness. There are going to be some changes coming up to the show soon. Really excited to uh, launch them when they're ready, so stay tuned. Have a great day, everybody. Peace.